Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. and said, you know, do you have something to share? I had an excuse. I'm going to my sister's graduation. I thought I had gotten out of the opportunity. Then the text came again. What about this other date? I'm like, Lord. <laughs> but I God knew something was about to happen today, and that was the reason why that text came. So before we get into it, let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, bless you, and magnify you. Jesus, we love you. You are so good. You are so good. You are so good. No one can compare to you. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. None can compare to you. And we recognize your supremacy, your authority, your power that lives within us. And for that, Lord, we give you praise. Lord, may the words of my mouth, just a lonely servant, and a meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you today. In the name of Jesus. And at the end of the day, God, when we leave here, we know we'll leave here empowered, renewed, set free, knowing who we are in you. In the name of Jesus. We bless you and magnify your name. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. So a few weeks ago, I was doing my devotion, and um, I was meditating on a particular scripture. And I read it in um, Philippians chapter 4. Um, verse 12 and 13, and is the passion translation that caught my attention. And Apostle Paul said something. He said, I know what it means to lack, and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For I am trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. And I find the strength of God's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. I thought about that for a minute. read it a couple of times, and then my eye got caught onto. I am trained in the secret? So there's a secret. I am trained. Why would he say I'm trained in the secret? So that means that it's not available to everybody to see. But when you know it, you can be content whether you lack or not. So I asked the Holy Spirit, what's the secret? So turn to your neighbor and say, what's the secret? We're going to find out together. So Apostle Paul was writing and expressing this important principle that we can hold on as part of our elementary faith. He expresses lack of anxiety. Can you imagine that you can be going through, some of us could be going through a storm, and we come into church and we're jumping up and down, and people don't even know you're walking through that storm. How many of us can relate to that? You walked in here this morning, and things were a mess, but the mess is not going to stop you from praising your God. That's what Paul is talking about. It doesn't mean that just because that person has a smile on their face that there's an absence of trouble. Paul is saying, whether I have or not, I have a secret, right? And that's what we wanted to find out. So 
I said, Lord, I want to know more about this thing that Paul is talking about. That regardless of my financial capability or whatever is in my bank account does not change where I am and who I am. It does not define who I am. So while I was asking him this, usually when I'm in a plane, usually that's when he downloads. Because you know what? You can't do anything else. They, turn, they tell you to turn off your phone. So you can't even talk on the phone, right? And oftentimes I use that as an opportunity to get things to be downloaded because I'm in the air. I'm seated in the air, literally, right? They said we're seated in with him in heavenly places. So I am seated in the air. So there he downloads. So you download three principles about the secret. And those principles are this. Know your credentials in the kingdom. Do you know your credentials? The second point is, know, understand and believe what the outcome will be. So what does that mean? That you know the end of the matter even before it began. You know the outcome is good even before you start. You may know it, but the question is, do you believe it? Because your actions is dependent on what you believe. You may know something, it's a fact, but a question is, do you believe what you know? That's the question, and that's part of the key to overcoming. And the third point was, help is available. Just ask. Just ask. Help is available. Those are the three keys, and we're going to talk about those. So, the Bible tells us in Ephesians, he tells us in Ephesians that we're seated with him in heavenly places. According to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 8, it said, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. And even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and is seated with us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages, we might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works in which God prepared for us in advance to do. If you think about it and you ponder about that, the first point is that we must know our credentials. So what's our credentials? It's a form of our ID. It's our identity in Christ, our position in Christ, and our authority in Christ. Can you depict that one for me? It's your identity in Christ, your position in Christ, and your authority in Christ. Those are the three keys that makes part of your credentials. And if you, do, if you take your ID, your driver's license, do you know that your driver's license features a couple of points? It has an element of your DNA, your height, your weight. So I think of the same way in, in, the, in the work of the kingdom. In the kingdom, your identity is also reflected. So I contracted my, uh, my graphic artist to make up an ID for me. And this is my ID for the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, it says, 
I am fly because I am a, my identity is in Christ. I am fly because my position is in Christ. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. And I have authority. So when I walk in the room, I come in with boldness. I might be five feet. I'm not disclosing my weight because it's none of your business. Right? I don't want to cause any trouble. So I said, do not put that there. I put the year which I was saved, 2004. Saved because that's when I really gave my life to Christ. Really, really. Like, I've done it so many. You know how some of us run to the altar every time? I've been saved so many times. Like, you feel so guilty every time the preacher calls, that's the altar call, you run back there. Like, I did that throughout in college. I guess because my life was not given to Christ. I was doing things I shouldn't be doing. So when I go to church on Sunday and I said, if your, your heart stopped beating right now, do you know where you're going to be? I'm like, no, Lord. So I'll just quickly run to the altar and then run back and then go back and do what I was doing again. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Tell the truth. Tell the truth because God, God sees you. Right? That was me. But in 2004, I was, re I was reading The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. I was like, whoa, this is some good stuff. My life has never been the same again. Never, ever, ever, because I made Jesus my Lord. More than my Savior, my Lord. That's where my life transformed. And I'm like, oh, but then of course, I had issues, mental issues. Mental issue from a standpoint, I didn't believe my identity in Christ. That's why I knew God ordained this service today because look at the song that we were singing. Wow. So while I was preparing, the Lord says, you need to remind yourself who you are in Christ. So he gave me a couple of I am statements. The I am statement one says, the first one says, I am God's child, according to Ephesians 1, verse 3 and 8. I am a friend of Christ. I am. I am. I am. Some of us need to tell ourselves that I am a child of God. I am a friend of Christ. You need to remind yourself of that. I am a member of Christ's church. I am a citizen of heaven. I am God's workmanship created. Ha. Huh. I am a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. My past does not define who I am. My mistakes does not define who I am. I am a minister of God because he's put the words in my mouth. It is not of my own doing. I am justified, just as if I never even did that. I am righteous because when he sees me, he sees Christ in his righteousness. He doesn't see me. That's who I am. And I am free. I am free. Did you hear that song today? That is why people ran to the front, because they are free. And if you came here today, you're not going back the same. You're not picking up those shackles. You're not going back the same way you came, because you are free. Your identity is you are free. So the point is that God is reminding us who we are. That is the key. That is the secret. If you know who you are, you are not perturbed when things are moving because you know who you are and who you belong to. You are a child of the kingdom. You are part of the kingdom. When you are in the kingdom, guess what? 
your identity is lined up with Jesus Christ. When God sees you, he sees Jesus. I know that may, be, that may blow your mind. He doesn't see you any different. He sees you just like he saw his son, in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased. When Jesus looks at you, he said, you are my God. He said, what a fine piece of masterpiece of art, in whom I am well pleased. God sees your end. He sees your end before you are even born. That's what God is saying. Your identity, your position, your authority in Christ is a key. Amen? So the second point is, do you understand and believe the outcome of the adversity? We're all going to face it. Expect challenges in life. Believe that you are an overcomer by putting on the armor of God. Expect challenges in life. Don't think just because you're a Christian, you're not going to go through trouble. That's a mistake Christians make. We start blaming God. Oh, God, have I not served you? Haven't I done this? What has that got to do with anything? Jesus came through this earth. He went through stuff too. We are going to go through stuff. But you are an overcomer. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 43, 2 and 3, and says, When you go through the deep waters... I will be with you. You go through the rivers of difficulty. You will not drown. Guess what it said? When? It didn't say if. It said when. You are going to go through it. You're going to have financial challenges. But it's not the end. You will come up with another way to make more money. Sometimes if God didn't push you to the wall, you may not think. You get comfortable. I get comfortable. He said, no. I got to squeeze you a little bit. So we're like, God, what are we doing next? He wants a dialogue. So sometimes he pushes us a little bit so we will have a dialogue with him. So he can move us to the next level. He said, when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned. The flames will not consume you. I hope somebody's getting what I'm saying. When you're going through it, my sister and my brother, understand and believe that you are an overcomer. The Bible tells us that we wage wars. Because according to Corinthians chapter, chapter 10, verse 3 and 5, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine powers to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So the point of the matter is, expect that you are in warfare. The enemy does not like you doing what you're doing, just so you know. But who cares what he thinks? It doesn't matter what the enemy thinks or planning. Some of us focus so much on, oh, the devil this or that. What, what's that your business? Just do what you got to do. You are a victor. You're victorious. But you just need to know what weapons and tools you need to use to fight, your, to fight the warfare. Amen? So the Bible tells us to put on the whole armor of God. According to Ephesians. For those of you who are in Bible study, Ephesians is just like, ah, you can read that scripture, that passage of the scripture over and over and over. It is loaded. The Bible says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. 
Put on the whole armor of God so you may be able to stand against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you may be able to resist the enemy in time of evil. Then after the Bible, after the battle, excuse me, you will be standing firm. Did you hear that? After the battle. You will go through the battle, but you will stand firm. The key point is know that you are a victor. You are a victor. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a victor. We have to believe that. We really, really, really have to believe that. And how do we become, how we become victors? What is the armor that God is telling us to put on? Ephesians 6, 14 and 17 says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is powerful. You got to memorize that word because the enemy is going to come at you, pointing ideas in your mind. Oh, you're not good enough. And then sometimes he has the audacity to even use people who are supposed to be your good friends to start telling you some nonsensical things. They mean well, but they don't know the mind of God. Only you know the mind of God because the Bible says, I have the mind of God, not the other person. They mean well. But sometimes we start to think along the line. That's the enemy plotting. So you remind yourself who you are in Christ when he comes with the word of God. You remind you yourself of the promises that God has made to you. Do you have a promise book? If you don't have a promise book, start to write it down. It could be your phone. God gives you a word and it resonates in your heart. It's for you. Write it down. Because I tell you, there'll be a moment when you are down. All of a sudden, you pick up your phone, go to that promise book, and you're going to see those specific promises for you. Personalize it because it's important. That's what I know I do. I have a whole download and I'm like, these are key verses that God has spoken in my life. Philippians 4.13 is one of them, and that's why this came up. Because that's one of the first scriptures I memorized when I gave my life to Christ. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That is where the force comes in. And by the way, I'll tell you the secret of the G-force. It's Genevieve Forsen. That's my maiden name. G-force. Over time, I just assumed the power in my name. That's all. So that's where people come from. So my husband just released that little secret, and now people are taking that over. <laughs> Key number three, help is available. Turn to your neighbor and say, help is available. That's one thing I love about Agape House of Worship, no joke, is that people are generally interested in helping each other. Why? Because we're a family. That's what family does. And by the way, you don't have to be blood to help people. Sometimes you're like, oh yeah, I only expect my brother or sister to help me. No, I got, God delivered me from that thought a long time ago. I love my family, I love my blood sisters and family, but some, if they're not saved, they're not thinking the same way that I am thinking. So the kind of help I need, they can't provide, you get what I'm saying? The help I might get from them might actually steer me in the wrong direction. So I had to learn to connect with the people who are like-minded like me, 
And if it's in the house of God, then we're all good. Amen? So the point is, God will give you helpers. They will come from your blood. It will be your parents, to be spiritual parents, to be spiritual mothers, to be spiritual fathers. Be open to help. But the greatest helper, ooh, I love him so much. Ha, Holy Ghost. I'm trying to contain myself. Behave yourself, Genevieve. You can do this. The point is, we have an inherent helper called the Holy Spirit. He provides the power to overcome all things. I know, I was warned by my children, Mom, behave yourself. Jesus, take the wheel. Sometimes you just can't help yourself. You know how when you go out in public with them, and like, okay, you want to celebrate them, they're like, just calm down. John chapter 16, verse 12 and 16 says, There is so much more I want to tell you, but I can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truths. He will not speak on his own, but will only tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said, when the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Did you hear get that? The Holy Spirit knows your future. The Holy Spirit knows tomorrow. The Holy Spirit knows the issue you're going through. You just need to ask him. He is a person. He is in you. He knows the mind of God. He knows what you're going through. I talk to him all the time. The other day I was, I was pondering, I said, you know, when I used to watch Bishop Dikintunde used to preach, all of a sudden, in the middle of that preaching, he would start having conversations. And I'm like, what is this man doing? And then I got and I found myself doing the same thing. And I'm like, okay, you have to remind yourself. Okay, Holy Ghost, I'm hearing what you're saying. Yes, I get it. Yeah, yeah. But the people may not understand what I'm, we're doing. We're, we're talking. What I'm saying is, there is a voice that's speaking to you. The Bible tells us that. There will be a voice behind your ear saying, this is the way. Walk in it to the left or to the right. Amen. He's told you. So when you're going through some things, as long as you're connected to the Holy Spirit, you're going to hear what you need to do. You will hear him. He's interested in talking directly to you. It doesn't have to come from another person. Some of us are looking for a person at church to speak, to hear God for us. God is gracious. He will do that sometimes, but he's more interested in talking to you one-on-one. And he, want, he wants to cultivate that with you. We also understand that God has promised us that when we call on him, he will answer us. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with your righteous right hand. I, my brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, God, you may be going through something right now. God is saying to you, this word is for you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're going through, but the word of God is saying, I am with you. I will strengthen you. I'll give you the strength. You feel like you're tired and wearied and heaven laden. Like, I can't go on, Lord. I, I can't do it. I can't. The Lord said, I will strengthen you. By the time you leave here, you walk out and feel so powered and power, like, oh my God, I feel good. Why? Because God is interested in helping you. It is to his glory that you succeed. Amen? 
He is interested in you succeeding as much more than you even are. This is his word. He's also saying, according to Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. I had to be cute and put that answering machine on there just to date ourselves. Call on me. God is saying, call. Call. I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. And at Psalm 91, 15 and 16, the Lord says, He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him and with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. The Lord is saying, you will call. I will answer. Test me in this. I can't tell you how many times that I've asked God for something and it happens and it happens and it happens and it builds your faith. So that's why you, if you are asking God for something, write down what you're asking and the dates that you ask him. Go back to that and see if that what you ask him has not been answered or not. You will see a trend. Oftentimes we don't do it so we don't get to see. So we think God is not answering my prayers. That's because you're not looking and seeing. These are just simple steps of things you can do. One of my absolute favorite scriptures, 1 John 5, 14 and 15, God says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. There should be a confidence. Know that you're going to receive what you're asking God for. Believe that, my brothers and sisters. God is interested in you knowing that he will answer you. He loves you. He wants a deeper relationship with you. It is of his interest to show you off. So call on him. Believe that he will answer you. Amen? So those are my three key points. But as I was thinking about this, I said, well, what is an example of someone in a scripture who walked the keys? And in a very interesting way, God reminded me of David and Goliath. Why? Because in 1 Samuel, if you read chapter 16, the Bible says, Paul had dis I mean, Saul had, King Saul had disappointed God. So God was appointing himself a new king. And he sent Samuel to the house of Jesse. There were eight sons. Seven were present. The ones that were attractive and looked good, Samuel thought that's who God wanted. But he marched all the kids, and then the one was David. David came in, and the Bible says, God says, yeah, that's it. That's that one. And the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Now, that's the old times. How about the New Times, New Testament? The Spirit of the Lord is in us. But then it came upon him, right? In coming upon him, we see that David was able to do a lot of awesome stuff. So if you go into 1 Samuel chapter 17, the Bible tells us on our account, there was a man, his name was Goliath. The Bible records that he had, he was about, seven, about nine feet. He's about nine feet. And his armor that he was carrying 
body armor is about 125 pounds. And the Bible says this man will come up every morning and he will taunt the people of Israel. I'll start, I'll quickly go to 17.1. The Philistines had mustered their army for battle, camp in Sokor in Judah, and Saul, also his, um, and the Israelite troops came near the valley of Elah. The Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Verse 4. Then Goliath, a Philistine from, champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet. His bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor. He carried a bronze javelin. The shaft of his spear was heavy and thick as a, as a uh, beaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt at the Israelite. Why are, you all, why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am a Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of, Paul, of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your, your slaves. I'm going to stop there for a minute. So picture this Goliath. He is telling these people, like, any of you here that can fight me? And the Bible says in verse 10, that's kind of funny, that these people were like fearful. And he will say, I defied, Goliath will say, I defied the armies of Israel. Send me a man who will fight me. Go down to verse 16. And for 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army, saying this, taunting them. 40 days. For some of us, we could be going through 40 days, so it may seem a long time of what it seems like torture. And your Goliath is taunting you. That Goliath is there, but what, how are we responding? The Bible tells us that one day David's father sent him to the battlefield to bring food to his, children, his brothers. And while he's there, he hears this taunt that Goliath is saying. Now, these people have been here, all these big people, they are sitting there hearing this man taunting and taunting and taunting them. And nobody, and they get afraid. But David comes in there, he's been sent on an errand. He comes in there, he's like, uh-uh, what's happening here? If you jump down to verse 23, while he, he was there, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. David heard him shout his tone to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. So when Goliath would show up, the, the Israelites would run because they're afraid. And so they were asking, David was saying, What's happening? And they said, well, the king has promised that whoever can fight and kill this man will get a huge reward. He will give you one of his daughters and an entire family. The entire family will have to pay taxes. Wow. David is like, wow, that sounds like a sweet deal. Now, mind you, he's not even part of the army. And the Bible says that David now tells that, ah, okay. So the king hears that David is asking about this and brings David over. In verse 32, when you go home, read the scripture. It's really powerful. And David says to um, Saul, I will go and fight this man. 
And Saul is like, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. You've been a, he's been a man since his youth. Verse 34. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this both to lions and bears. I would do it again to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The, God who, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Do you see the confidence this young man has? He sees this giant and he's not moved by it because he remembers who his God is. He remembers who his God is. The Bible continues and says that Saul allows David to go and fight Goliath. And while he's going, he gives him his armor. He puts it on. He's like, oh, no, I can't do this and that. You know what he does instead? He takes five stones. Five stones. And he shows up. And he goes there. And in verse 41, Goliath walked towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David that you'll come at me with a stick. And he cursed David by the names of a gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the, the heaven's armies, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you. I will kill you and cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies to your men, to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. He told him what he's about to do. That's prophecy. Ha. Tell the mountain, move now. Tell your mountain, move. I'm like, ah. Tell that mountain of sickness, get thee behind me, you Satan. Move. It is not your armor. David did not see Goliath. He saw the God of Goliath. Let me repeat that. David saw the creator who created Goliath. And he saw that God will rescue him. And God did what God was going to do. That is how, in verse 50, the Bible says, David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Because the God of the armies of Israel was with him. God is with you. God is with you and I. So let's bring these points home. We talked about three points. We talked about the first key being knowing your credentials. My question to you is, as I talked about the keys, which area are you struggling to accept? Because that's the secret to overcoming all things in life is understand your credentials. Do you believe that you're the apple of God's eye? Let me pause that. Do you believe that God looks at you and says you're fearfully and wonderfully made? Read Psalm 139. He said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew everything about you. All your days were numbered. 
He says, I love you. When I see you, I smile. Do you smile when you look at yourself in the mirror? Some of us don't even look at ourselves in the mirror because we don't like what, we look, what we're looking at. Why not? God sees the gem that you are. When you look in the mirror, he sees how beautiful you are. He sees your greatness even before you become great. Is that a struggle? Then we say, Holy Spirit, please help me to accept that I am seated with you, that I am in you, that I am a child of God, that I am a friend, that I am righteous, that I am justified. Believe God. Believe that he loves you. Believe that he went and died on a cross for you. Believe that no matter what your past mistakes are, God does not hold it against you. Believe that you are washed and clean. Believe that because that's how God sees you. Question number two. Do you struggle with the, the, the fact that you're in a situation and you've forgotten how good our God is? You're so focused on your mountain. You're focused on the mountain before you, but you say, mountain, be moved now. God has promised you he will begin the good work in you, will bring it to perfect conclusion. Do you believe that? If that's a struggle, say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. I need your help. That I need to believe that I am an overcomer. That you will work all things together for our good. For the good of my family. That's what God is saying. And the, the, word, the Lord wanted me to remind someone today. Jeremiah 29, 11 and 14, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans is to prosper you. Not to harm you, but to give you a future full of hope. You will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Are you seeking him with all your heart or part of your heart? With all your heart. There is a relationship. You do your part, God will do his part. You can't sit down and wait for God to do it all. He's like, I'm just going to wait. When God tells me to move, then I'll move. What? God has not forced himself on anybody. His promises are yeah and amen. But the reality is that he's also expecting you to move. But know that you are an overcomer. And the third question is, do you ask for help? Some of us are struggling, and we don't want to say anything. That's the that's lie of the devil. Expose him. Are you struggling with pornography? Are you struggling with addiction? Whatever it is you're struggling with, help is available. You shine light in those areas, and the enemy will be defeated. Shine the light. Ask for help. Above all, ask for the greatest help. Is the Holy Spirit. I believe that it doesn't matter that you're struggling or not. We all need helpers. I am a big fan of mentors. We need mentors. People who have walked ahead of us, who know the deal. You need a spiritual mentor. You need a professional mentor. You need a personal mentor. Get all three. When you're running through some things or you're planning something, talk to them about it first. 
Amen? Get help. And above all, rely on the Holy Spirit, the greatest helper. So my question to us this morning is this, as I round up. Have you given your life to Christ? Because these keys that I was talking about, unless you're part of the kingdom, you don't get to have access to them. So if you're here and you have not said yes to Jesus, meaning that, Jesus, I want to be with you for eternity, starting now. For your word says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have an everlasting life, which begins today. Your life will change and your life will be different starting today. All you have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me for the sins I've committed. Come into my life. Be my savior. If you say that to yourself, if you're here, and you said, oh, my sister, I really, 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 really want to give my life to Jesus. All you have to do is put your hand on your chest and say, Jesus, forgive me. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my life. Take over completely. If you made that decision, I kindly ask you to, at the end, the tear-off portion of your bulletin, check off decision for Christ. But I also want to talk to our sisters and brothers here. If you're here, you've made Jesus your Savior, but you've not made him your Lord. That means you've not yielded some parts of your life to him. You're living a double life. On Sunday, you're in church worshiping. Monday through Saturday, you're doing something else. He's not your Lord. I want you to make that decision and say, Lord, I want you to be my Lord. I yield control today in the name of Jesus. And my final word that to someone today, the Lord said this is a word for someone. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 2 and 3. Isaiah 45, 2 and 3. I'll go before you. I will level the mountains. I'll break down gates of bronze and cut through iron bars. I'll give you hidden treasures, hidden treasures, riches store in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel. Who summons you by name. I will go before you. I will level the mountain. That's a word for someone today. I want us to bow down our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you for reminding us of your word. Thank you for reminding us of your promises. Thank you for reminding us of who we are in you. That we are fa you are faithful. You love us. You care about us. Everything about us is beautiful. When you look at us, you see beauty. You see joy. You see a woman, you see a man who can do great things for your kingdom. God, this morning, we've come back to the place of accepting who we are in you. Lord, we've come to believe that the end will work out fine. Because God, you cause all things to work together. We're not perturbed when we're going through this adversity. Because you've assured us of a victory. God, we know we can call on you for help and you will answer us. This morning, we thank you for every single person who is trusting you, God, for a breakthrough in their life. Lord, as they've heard this word today, God, you believe that God's help has come. And for that, we want to say thank you. And at the end of the day, Lord, we believe that we can do all things through you 
who gives us strength. So shall it be. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.